Hey everybody, welcome back to my podcast. This is not about your body. I'm Justin Nealon, and today I have a very special episode. It's going to be unlike any other episode that I have ever done. So if you have been listening for a while, um, prepare for something kind of weird and hopefully cool. Um, today I have a guest, and it is Jason Nealand, my brother. Uh, we talk about, well, we talk about all kinds of stuff, and uh, recently have had a conversation about uh, different experiences around gender and body image insecurities and genitals and all these really interesting things. Um, so heads up if it's weird for you that I'm talking about like sex and, and genitals with my brother. I'm sorry, you can bail now. Uh, it's not weird for us. But I wanted to bring him on here and give uh, us an opportunity to kind of have this conversation um, captured because it's something that people, uh, men specifically, they reach out a lot about the the question of like penis insecurity, um, you know, size insecurity, that kind of thing. And it's something I've been wanting to tackle for a while. So I figured this is a cool opportunity to tackle it with someone who has a penis and has some um, interesting thoughts on it. So we're just going to get started. Welcome, Jay. Hey, thank you. Um, so I don't have any format for this, but, um, if you want to say anything about, you know, your understanding of why we're sitting down to do this or where this inspiration came from, you can start with that. Sure. Yeah. Hey everybody. Um, yeah. So I think the main inspiration was just that, like you said, we talk about this stuff a lot and, uh, I often look to you for, uh, guidance or just, um, advice or just anything of that sort. Um, whenever we're talking about these sorts of uh, topics um, and that it kind of makes sense that we uh, yeah we try to break into it a little bit through this format that you have um, yeah and just kind of see what comes up yeah so something that I love about doing this podcast is how casual it is and, and everybody's kind of yeah on board with that <laughs> um, so it's just gonna be a conversation um, but I would like to have a start a little bit because uh, penis size insecurity is obviously like the number one thing that I get questions about from men um, actually you know even from their partners sometimes I have questions and topics that need to get explored from a body neutrality perspective so it's like a really um, I would say like foundational question of like, what do you do and how do you feel more secure in that space? So um, I think I'm just going to start by inviting you to talk a little bit about your experience with any insecurities that you have there or what your relationship to that like journey has been as far as insecurities go, sure, yeah. starting with size and then we, or if that doesn't necessarily make sense, you can kind of talk about whatever does make the most sense yeah i mean i think size is a obvious place to start because that's sort of the the sort of language that's most often talked about in popular culture joked about the most um for sure but uh you you do also get i guess stuff around like shape and mm -hmm. like um obviously function is of course another huge aspect of that but yeah. you know if we're just talking about um aesthetic qualities um yeah i mean size and size and shape i suppose um, yeah. are both kind of often talked about, joked about, whatever. Um, and yeah, and that they, it's all just so variable and, uh, and, and just the whole, like, I don't know. It makes me think of a lot of, uh, a lot of like quotes and things from movies and TV shows through the years, <laughs> yeah. but like, yeah, I mean the, uh, that size does matter, but also that size doesn't matter mm -hmm. big, small, but if it works, then it's like fine. It's like what you do with it or, uh, you know, it's not the yeah. size that matters. It's like how you use it. But even that brings up a lot of other sort of like mm -hmm. parts of this that I think are worth talking about that like, 
you know, you can be insecure about how, uh, how you look, you know, any part of your body, but of course, uh, we're talking about genitals. Um, but you're like, well, but as long as they work right, you know, that's really what matters. But of course, what do we also hear so much about men's, you know, penises not working so well, um, or so they think and how even just the awareness that this, uh, sort of phenomenon can occur, can influence, Mm -hmm. um, how you act and how you, uh, function sexually and, um, all of these things. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to really parse any of those, um, kind of qualities apart, I suppose, but. Well, so one thing that I think is important to point out is that function is, it's so related, as you said, to the aesthetic standards. And I'm not sure that a lot of guys recognize that that still counts as body image issues. The function part? Yeah. yeah. Because, the, you know, they might be like, oh, I, I'm i worried that I'm not good in bed. But what they mean is I'm worried that I orgasm too soon and I don't please my partner, which is all sort of a body image insecurity because mm. they don't feel like they can control when they come, therefore... You know, the, the the sort of blame there is their body, right? Mm. It is a negative uh, relationship with that body part. And I would say a similar sort of analogy for, um, well, not just women, but everyone would be like saying, uh, oh, it's okay if you're, you know, it's okay to love your body if you're like a, in a heavier body, but as long as you're strong and, and healthy, mm, yeah, sure. you know, so there's like a, a line of ableism that runs through this idea yeah, that function is a justification. Like you can feel good about something. You don't have to be insecure about it as long as it works. Right. Mm-hmm. is a very ableist perspective. It's a very problematic perspective. Um, and I think we know that, you know, like if a woman were to say, well, uh, I guess I'm willing to accept my legs, but only if they, you know, let me run. Yeah. You can kind of challenge that and dig into it a little bit like, well, what? The, but what if they couldn't? All of a sudden, they're worthless now? Or like, what would that relationship be? I think the issue is that we don't have a conversation culturally around men, performance, and genitals. Like, it is sort of a final frontier in a lot of ways around body image. It is still completely acceptable from a sort of PC standpoint to, to penis shame, for yeah. example. Yeah, I was going to say, we do have a conversation around we it. We do, and yeah. it's just also kind of fucked. So. But it's not, it's not, there isn't much of a branch of body positivity going to speak into this. And there's not, as far as I've seen, hardly any like advocating or activism around, um, hey, please don't body shame men. Uh, even just, I would say, body shape and size and weight and all that stuff. It's, for men, it's like, well, you know, they they can figure it out or they don't have real feelings anyway so it doesn't really matter like there's a lot of um a lot of dehumanization in that a lot of problematic like views that kind of go into the idea that we can like we wouldn't oh it's terrible to fat shame a woman but to fat shame a guy is like happens still in tv shows and movies and stuff that are like totally uh progressive in other ways yeah i mean like the glorification of like dad bod phenomenon is like kind of (laughs) good and bad at the same time i suppose right but yeah but that's still a glorification of a thin, conventionally attractive body. All things considered, there are massively um, problematic, like, fat jokes about men that I think are just sort of accepted by people who would never think it was acceptable to say about a woman. And I think the sort of genitals conversation plays into that. Like, not not that I hear anybody, like, vulva shaming. That's not really a conversation that we have. We don't hear a lot of jokes about that. Uh, um, a lot of people, I find, don't even really know what the vulva refers to, <laughs> which so is... Kind of odd. <laughs> However, like there is that conversation. It's okay to make jokes about dick size. Like that's where yeah. we're at culturally. 
even among progressive people, I think. So maybe, I mean, just kind of for whatever reason, that kind of got me thinking, like, maybe that's actually kind of a good thing. Not to say that the conversation is usually gone about in a really, mm. you know, um, in uh, encouraging, enriching way. Um, <laughs> but I don't know, maybe there's something to be said about how more openly men do talk about that. I mean, you know, it's obviously pretty well known that traditionally men talk about uh like bathroom activities more readily mm, than I women see, do yeah. and of course that's uh due to a whole slew of problematic kind of like <laughs> background but like uh yeah i don't know there's like some jumping there's off less point there. shame and hiding maybe maybe but also there's i think there's so much more shame that i know that i've experienced or not even shame but just like expectation of shame almost because mm. it's something that shows up so often thinking about like locker room activity type stuff it's like never having been a a sports person in my youth (laughs) never really actually been a part of any like technically you know proper locker room culture but from just from what I kind of the gist I get of it that like because it's just talked about openly bathroom activity like dick size type type conversations that uh that that it's almost like it that if you're not talking about that your dick is big, <laughs> then it's like you're clearly kind of implying that your dick is small, which again oh, is kind of like the whole crux of what we're talking about is like, well, then like what the why the, why are we talking about it like this? Like, why is that? I mean, for one thing, why is that just like the number one thing that um, I mean, obviously, this is not like all men talk about this, but it's just something that we know that like happens a lot especially with like teenage yeah. boys like puberty type stuff like all these things start cropping in um and yeah, so it's weird. wait can i just ask about that so could you explain to the audience which i am making a an educated guess here uh many of them do not have penises and not have not had these experiences mm. what do you think is going on or describe the experience maybe of growing up as a teenage boy and like i don't know what do we call it penis culture like because yeah. there is no vulva culture. There is not, as no. far as it, any women huh. that I've talked to, I, people with vulvas don't go around talking about them. Yeah. So why do you think that is? I mean, for one thing, because they're just, um, they're just always hanging out. Like, <laughs> I do think that, I mean, maybe a huge amount of like human um, history and like the culture that we're kind of talking about is just because of like um, a visual <laughs> apparency of these Interesting, things. Interesting, yeah. That it's like it's a it's a it's an extra appendage like it's it's really bizarre <laughs> you know like when you think about what we're actually talking about just like how and again this is not talking about how big a penis is versus how small right. it is just that it is an organ that is like explicitly external external yeah, on the outside visible. ready to be seen uh, at any moment <laughs> um, as it were uh, and so it just kind of makes sense that it would be something that our psychology naturally wants to like point out even though. We all generally wear clothes most right. of the time. Like it's all covered anyway. But but then again, it's not sometimes. Like mm. boy gets an erection in class and people can literally see it. Like that's a big thing growing up is like mm. getting erections when you don't want to. I guess it's, you know, less of a thing as you get older. They're yeah. not quite as um, unpredictable, I suppose, <laughs> um, for the most part, at least from my perspective. Um, and I don't know if there's exactly a comparable experience for uh, no. people without penises, but I would say that like the comparable experience is like getting your period. It, oh, it's so different, true, like yeah. much shamier in that. Well, periods in general have been stigmatized, but also yeah. it's like not in any way about 
it, it, there's there's no way to read it that's sexy whereas like mm. if somebody liked you and you got an erection that's sexy if they don't and you're like in class that might be icky but i don't know you know yeah. there's like at least there's some attempt at it being kind of good i think it's still actually not necessarily oh, no. a posit- seen as a positive thing like i think that's maybe part of this is that getting an erection at the exact right time and having one then and maintaining it is of the utmost importance wow. in in this like kind of um, perspective that we're talking about uh-huh. like I've, I've always just sort of felt that like getting one out of <laughs> out of uh, out of place right. is is not good even though it's like weird because then you know flash forward 30 minutes let's say you're going from like uh, an embarrassing situation where you're in public to then where you're actually being intimate with someone and then you definitely want to have that erection going but like mm. sh- having it earlier it's just this whole weird thing and it's maybe it's not even that big of a deal but like but there's a lot of management that happens. So it makes sense that it would be sort of front of mind. Well, it's, yeah. And it all comes down to the idea that we have the ability to like consciously manage right. it or something. And that like our erectile function is like um, completely under our control, <laughs> which it's like mm-hmm. not really. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Sure. Well, okay. So there's a a bit of a stigma obviously around men with erectile dysfunction in any direction right like finishes too soon can't finish uh gets a boner when it's inappropriate can't get a boner when it is appropriate like all of these different varieties of as you sort of say uh it not uh, following the rules that you're asking to follow or whatever like mismanaging your erection (laughs) it is a lot of work and it is visually yeah it's a thing there's no parallel for someone without a penis i don't think Maybe like, you know, our nipples get hard. I don't know. But there's really nothing that's quite so visual. So I guess it does make sense that it would become more of a topic of conversation just because you can't avoid it. Yeah. And I'm sure that that's part of what can feed into um, the experience of not having one when you want one then. Because you've just come from a place where you're just trying to say no to it when it wants to say yes. (laughs) And all of a sudden you're trying to say yes. And it's like, well. I don't know. Maybe not. I, I wasn't really getting super clear signals earlier. Maybe I uh, don't actually want to make my uh, my appearance now after all. Okay, uh, so let's talk about that. This is a very particular type of um, stigma around penises, which is um, can't keep a boner, right? We, we hear lots yeah. of jokes about this. Um, it's used as an insult to insult somebody that you just don't like, like limp dick or whatever. Yeah. It's like... Like you're... really off the cuff stuff, like yeah. usually used with zero evidence uh, to, to base <laughs> your insult none. off of. Um, which, you know, it's just intended to take aim at their masculinity. Yeah, exactly. So talk a little bit about like, you know, because I feel like the, the big joke is like, oh, I swear this never happens, you know, like... Right. It does. Well, uh, here's the thing. It does happen. <laughs> And I can't remember the statistic happened. now, but it's something like 72% or whatever of men have yeah. this, you know, experience of not being able to have a boner when they want one in a sexual context. So, like, it happens to most, like, by a landslide. Sure. I mean, that's not surprising to hear. I haven't really uh, taken a poll Might even too be much. more. I just no can't remember. No pun intended. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll just talk from my experience then in that, yes, it has happened where I don't have one when I want one. Mm-hmm. Generally, it is... It can all boil down to, for me, just like a level of comfort, safety, yeah. like uh, not even love, just literal, just like comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, it's often happened. To clarify, what do you mean by that? Uh, oh, what like the, under what context? So generally, rich? with newer partners, 
um, it doesn't uh, erectile function doesn't uh, act as predictably. I guess I would just say. Mm, so it's more likely to go haywire when you are uncomfortable with the person, or they're new. When they're new, yeah, I guess. Uh, and I mean, I've never like pursued intimacy with somebody that I'm like explicitly uncomfortable with. Sure. <laughs> um, I'm sure people have, and you know, it definitely can happen. But um, I can't really think of a time exactly like that. But more so, just um, you know, you're with somebody new. And like maybe that's, you know, hot and sexy, but it's also, uh, I don't know, it's also just when a lot of other weird little psychological factors yeah. can kind of play in. Like what we kind of started this topic around like uh, visual aesthetics, yeah. things like that. You realize that like this person is about to more or less see you naked, parts of you mm-hmm. naked at least. And, uh, and that can sort of feed into this thing where if you have insecurity about any part of how it looks or anything like that, then all of a sudden you're not actually thinking about like the sexiness of this moment. <laughs> right. You're thinking about a literal insecurity that you have yeah. and like that can really mess with things. Yeah. And then I found that uh, if that happens, uh, like if, if I uh, don't have uh, a predictable erection pattern, you know, mm-hmm. with like a, a newer partner, um, typically that does not persist. Like it, it really, um, like once I feel comfortable like subconsciously and consciously with uh with like a partner um my experience has been that it's basically like completely goes away boner yeah well yeah (laughs) sure we'll say boner town but honestly it's like once once i have stopped um thinking about those insecurities once i feel like they're um like uh transcended basically once you get them out in the open everything quite literally out in the open and maybe you talk about things because like (laughs) maybe maybe that helps a little Hmm. bit of uh, openness and communication can actually help get you what you really want um (laughs) i find that yeah it's like then then it just functions uh i guess and and i i do feel like this runs the risk of sounding kind of ableist then but it functions like it's supposed to Mm. but like as from my perspective that's kind of what it feels like is that it's like uh i get an erection because i'm excited to uh, engage with the partner sexually like i think the important thing is that you have you have normal for you and then you have not normal for you right and what it does is it functions normally once you feel safe like that normal for you yeah. starts to come out once yes. you feel safe and it, it is like on the fritz before then. Yeah, which is why the the classic like this never, I swear to yeah, this yeah. never happens thing is like it's, uh, if I were to say that it wouldn't be true, but it does, it does mean like, like I would rephrase it, but hey, it's like this usually doesn't happen <laughs> right. once we start yeah. like actually understanding each other a little bit better. Right. Um, but also that, I don't know, uh, that you can just kind of say that like, <laughs> I feel like I <laughs> maybe it'd be different. I'm not one to have uh, one night stands too often, but like in that scenario, it it would be a little, it would feel like it would mess with the mood to try to mm-hmm. like get these things out in the open. Hence the performance anxiety. Right. You're like, oh man, this is like my, maybe my one shot, you know, <laughs> yeah. to like have sex with this person and uh, really don't want to screw it up. But also like, you know, what if they, what if they aren't, uh, what if what if they don't like it? What yeah. if anything? Like you just don't know. Also, sex with new people. Maybe this is a hot take, but I just don't think it's that good. I agree. <laughs> no, I absolutely agree. In fact, uh, first time hooking up with people, I will usually say like I'm probably not going to orgasm because that's not sure. something that usually happens for me the first yeah, time or the first too, couple yeah. of times, and I just want that to be okay up front because otherwise it is the same exact pressure to like get a boner as it is to sure, yeah. orgasm, and I just feel like. 
that same exact thing of I'm not quite like settled yet. It's not exactly like, oh, I'm un, you know, I feel unsafe or I'm insecure. It's just like, it's, it's a lot. It's new. My brain is going. That's a lot. Yeah. You get a whole new person's body just right up in your face. And you don't have that connection and you don't know what they're thinking until, you know, maybe you unpack it after or whatever. And you're like, oh, okay, they had a good time. All right. Well, next time then I can just relax and enjoy it. So there's a lot of that newness, I think, that interrupts things. And for the record... Um, one of the reasons, uh, to my audience, I'm, I'm, I want you to know, one of the reasons that I wanted Jay to come on here and talk is because I work with so many people who um, partner with men, partner with and sleep with men, who say to me, like, all men are like this, or uh, all men want this or that, or you can't do or say this with men because they're different. And I just want to, like, have an example, because everybody, most people anyway in my life, most of the men in my life are kind of of this mentality. And I have curated my life. Like, undoubtedly, I could have men in my life who are not on this wavelength. But I think it's so important just to stop and pause and be like, wait, yo, you have feelings? Because a lot of women have been conditioned to think of men as this like sort of other species that doesn't have feelings, don't have insecurities. All they want to do is fuck. They're just going to go to bone town and they are not interested in having a conversation, which is why the women don't say anything during an early hookup. You know, they're like, okay, well, I guess I let him do what he wants because that's obviously what he wants. Meanwhile, he's in his head being like, I wonder if she likes it. I'd I'd really like her to talk to me about it, you know? Um, And most people, most of the time, benefit from just that hitting that pause button and going are you having a good time like i'm a little in my head right now can we just pause and talk and like i want to know i want to know how this is for you or what what's going on for you because otherwise the the alternative that that we're kind of describing and and not to say this is like super normal for everybody or common for everybody but where a guy doesn't get an erection woman disappointed something like that um yeah i mean that's why it would be so mortifying for the man because now you realize that you have uh, failed to live up to your end yep. of the masculine bargain in this like oh my God, sexual yeah. situation. But of course, like we're saying, we're talking about this. This isn't a revelation. No. This is clearly like so many people experience these types of things. So, And it's a simple solution if you really think about right. it. Like, oh, everybody should just talk about it. But it's so impossible in the moment when you have your, your idea is everybody comes to sex with a very predetermined role to play. Yeah. And for men or, you know, for people with a lot of people, with penises anyway it is to to be this kind of like masculine ideal to like just uh be raging hard and you know sort of initiating and driving that energy and then i don't even know what to what end exactly to be done and just yeah i mean (laughs) i don't know right Uh, yeah it's kind of strange i mean that but that's just i mean imagery from obviously just like heteronormative popular culture like all of those sex scenes are uh you know full of passion and power also in every sex scene with a hetero couple in everything tv and movies and everything like he gets inside her after no foreplay and she comes in like 30 seconds yeah which for the record (laughs) anybody listening who is like oh my god what's wrong with me that i can't come like that most women do not come like that most women require like 25 minutes of warm-up and clitoral touch and stimulation and just that shit is not realistic in the slightest. But then again, I suppose neither is this masculine ideal that he just has a raging no, boner. I mean, like, and... But it could be like the erection thing is not like impossible. Right, like sure. I said, it's like under the right circumstances, I feel like that sometimes. Yeah. But also like it's not um, like I know now sort of when to expect that and when to expect that that's 
not for sure going to be the situation Mm -hmm. and nor does it have to be it's like i i kind of wanted to touch on that too about how we're talking very penis-centric sex here um and that i've found great comfort maybe maybe out of necessity or something (laughs) that i've like come to enjoy other various forms of sex like giving oral sex Mm -hmm. is uh something that i have uh just really come to enjoy over the years that i didn't really think about when I was younger, when I was a little bit uh, mm. less aware of like things that are not penis centric sex. And, uh, and just realizing that like, I mean like shit, like maybe you just don't have an erection. Yeah. You just freaking go down on it for a while. Totally. And like, I mean, not to say that that's going to like change it and you're like, then you're going to be do that and then you have an erection. But like, it just, it doesn't need to be so focused on the penis either. Yeah. So that's a good point. And, uh, I assume a lot of the people listening probably have heard this idea before, but it's important to reiterate that the cultural conversation about sex is heteronormative, which is to say it focuses on uh, a man and a woman and all these very traditional conventional ideals and uh, gender roles that that means, you know, how each one shows up in sex, etc. But it also is traditional in the way of being, uh, or sorry, rather heteronormative in the way of being penis focused. Like the guy is the beginning and end. Of sex like when he wants to penetrate that's when it begins when he finishes that's mm. when it ends and sex like being a queer person i just i'm always i'm sort of very sad for straight people because it's so it's such a boring script and it works for so few people it doesn't have to be but it doesn't that, have to that be, script is boring it though. is it's and it's terrible a, it, even at its best it's a big letdown often yeah. because like you said it's like if that's all you're working with is just penetration starts it and finishes it then it's yeah. um well, it usually doesn't finish it, let's just say. Right, um, exactly. Also, I should point out, I am straight, and I will yes. almost exclusively be referring to uh, sex with women, but... Yeah. Um, and for the sake of this episode, out. I'm thinking mostly about sex with men with penises. But obviously, like, I'm queer, and, you know, th- this conversation gets so much more interesting when we go into the weeds with queer folks as well. Maybe someday I'll try and just uh, do a bunch of podcasts with different guests. I don't know. It's like a super interesting topic. Yeah, change it from this is not about your body to this, this is, is not about your penis. hella about your <laughs> fucking body, dude. Like, I don't know. Um, okay, so just to go back then, talk about the like overlap. And it's not even overlap. It's like literally just a circle, not a Venn diagram. But like the um, masculinity ideal and the penis aesthetic and function ideal. Sure, yeah. So um, like we were talking about, things people joke about, size, shape, mm-hmm. uh, bigger is better but to a certain degree which i i suppose could be in terms of like pleasure well no i can't even i feel like any (laughs) statement i would make around that feels like a a blanket statement that is probably also not true and Mm. not uh not helpful to kind of point out either yeah because i well for one thing i just don't know but that's the thing is that we always just talk about it as if there is one best yeah uh, thing um i guess like in terms of shape uh, straight, um, having mm-hmm. it be not curved. Right, curved is a joke. That's um, a big joke you hear is like, yeah. <laughs> you know. And yeah, I mean, I don't know what, I feel like, I feel like that's kind of the main but, stuff. But maybe. why? Why is the masculinity question. ideal, which it's just for the record, I don't know, we don't have time to go into it, but it's unbelievably toxic on so many levels. Yeah. Um, but why does the masculinity ideal have so much crossover with the penis experience? And I don't just mean because, like, they have one. Yeah. Uh, or, like, how do they how do they overlap or cross, you know? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. I feel like the answer is just all about sex. But, like, clearly it's not because you can just... 
because you have these insecurities whether you're having sex or not also Ooh, an interesting point so like if it's just a visual thing back to let's say locker room stuff which again i'm not yeah. uniquely qualified to talk about <laughs> locker room culture but i guess just the experience growing up of like uh other like peers seeing your genitals mm-hmm. seeing what you got going on like that also even just brought me anxiety um because then you're like comparing it but again it's like for what to what end yeah. it's like it, you're not uh if it's not about the sex then why does the visual stuff matter anyway well so one thing that i have often thought and makes sense given that we live in a patriarchy so it's like who is in power it's men um you know in this sort of heteronormative way women are seeking the approval of men also men are seeking the approval of other men yeah so a lot of this is about ranking i would say sure. okay yeah and the whole deal about masculinity and the patriarchy is like, you can't all be wonderful men with your own, um, you know, unique gifts. It, because the whole patriarchy is about being like the manest man, yeah, the, the most masculine. Yeah. The so the biggest insult to a man is that he is in some way uh, feminine or, you know, like a woman, even things like um, suck my dick or something like it's like an insult or, it, you know, it's thrown at a man and it's like, I'm putting you in this feminine role because I don't mm. respect you as a man up here. It's right. like this big ranking thing. That's how I've understood Again, it to be. Uh, I don't think Jesse nor I uh, seek out these people and surround ourselves <laughs> with them, but they this this attitude clearly but exists. I've met a lot of them. Well, yeah, and it's on a spectrum. It's like yeah. I've probably said "suck my dick" before, but like <laughs> I don't, I don't I, know. I don't maybe actually know. Maybe it But uh, <laughs> but you know, like we we all are like part of it in in various yes. ways. It's not always quite so explicit, um, but yeah. So uh, another thing that I think this this brings up, body neutrality, which is obviously the work that I do, it it is all about releasing or like sort of stripping away the the um, added significance or meaning that we uh, sort of layer on top of our body. So classic example is like a person feels insecure about their weight, and then uh, when we go in, it, the the question to be asked is, what does weight signify to you? Like, what have you decided that being fat or being thin means? On a personal level, what unmet needs do you have in your body that you think would be solved or fixed or met in a thinner body? Because those are those are useful questions. We can actually do something about those. And figuring out what it is, what that signifier is, basically just like sets us free and gives us the the information we need to to release it. Because it's almost always like just this absolute nonsense. You yeah, know? totally. But obviously there are also real world implications. Like yeah. if you are in a fat body, you will deal with fat phobia. If you're in a thin body, you won't, right? So sometimes people are just responding to, I don't want to have that kind of experience. That sucks. Yeah, it could be very so, practical seeming. Yeah, what um, is it with penises? Like, what is the unmet need or the significance or the, like, what is it that keeps you from having a neutral relationship with your penis? And I don't just mean you, but in general. Yeah, I mean, really good question. And I, I've never actually thought about uh, where my own relationship with my penis stands in terms of <laughs> uh, neutrality versus, uh, you know, feeling positive, feeling negative. But, like, I've felt, I guess, uh, you know, a, a variety of things over the years, I suppose, um, I know that when I'm like single and like not uh, having sex uh, regularly, that it it does feel a little bit like back into going back into a place where it feels like that um, some of these practical things matter more. Like um, mm-hmm. if I'm uh, 
like that I'm not going to be able to compete uh, to receive, you know, connection and, and love and, and like respect compete. in a weird way. I guess no matter all the relationships I've been in have not really like um, necessarily confirmed this, this <laughs> weird thing, but like it still feels, it still feels like it's in my brain nonetheless yeah. um, that, that those things like performance and just like um, being masculine still matters, I yeah. guess. And I don't really think about how uh, my like genitals play into my own masculinity much um, or like my own like sense of gender really much at all. But like they clearly still do in various yeah. ways. Um, well, why does it matter to be masculine? Do you, could you answer that? Like what is it that you think you could or couldn't get or like yeah. what is it hitched on that I, masculine matters? I guess I've. I feel though as though I've had experiences where when I present certain things very masculinely about myself that I get response from more uh, like women in the mm-hmm. world. Like it does feel like those things garner um, some sort of like interest like from attention, validation. A, yeah, at least from a wider like swath of people. Mm-hmm. Like not necessarily the ones that I would really want to really be with uh-huh. anyway. And of course, that's a you know that's an important yeah. thing to look at, but. Um, but it just seems like, you know, from the way I grew up and everything, which was not inherently like pro hyper-masculinity, I should point out, <laughs> thankfully to sure. our parents, but, but still though, that's, you know, some signaling that I received through, uh, through my upbringing. Yeah. And this is a kind of an interesting one because when I think, <laughs> so for the record, every guy I've talked about with regard to insecurity around his penis has not liked the idea of neutrality. Hmm. And granted, this is true for for people coming to me about just, you know, regular old body images issues, too. Sometimes they'll say, like, well, but I don't want to feel neutrally about my body. I want to love my body. It does occasionally come up, but it definitely doesn't have the same kind of, like, consistent pushback that I get from men where I'm like, well, maybe the ideal here is you ultimately kind of form a more neutral relationship with your penis in which it is good and also it is not defining you. Like, it is not um, connected to your worth. And I've yet to meet a man who responded with, that makes sense to me, and that seems like a reasonable outcome. They're all like, well, I'm, well, but it does, though. Like, they cannot fathom a world. They're so much further away from being able to fathom a world in which you could just say, I have a penis. I have sex. I like sex. It's good. It feels good. Uh, My penis makes me feel good, and I appreciate that about it. But it doesn't define me or my worth or my masculinity, and I am not—I um, am not overly attached to it as a form of identifying myself. Hmm. I mean, I actually do feel like that kind of makes sense. Like I said, I've never really thought about that relationship as being neutrality-based, but I—I <laughs> I would say that I probably do feel that more than the average person that you're kind of describing. Mm-hmm. Um, especially that surprise me. <laughs> sure. I mean, but in that, um, especially when I've been in relationships that yeah. uh, feel good that um generally like that's uh, and this goes back to the sort of thing like well as long as it works right, right. and all of the things that that idea entails for better and for worse um that has been kind of my thing it's like like i said like all of the things that i would be insecure about visually or aesthetically or anything um, with a new partner once those things are just sort of out on display and yeah. kind of moved past transcended um, then all that really matters is that I uh, am able to engage with this person in a way that just kind of feels good for yeah. both of us, whether it's through penis-centric sex or not. Um, and then it's kind of just like another uh, 
body part yeah you know exactly. like in a way like that is hands, hands matter like yeah. eyes matter mouths matter <laughs> sure uh penises matter whatever but like uh it's just kind of another another part of how i would be connecting with this person right so now let me ask you uh I don't know if you know much about my avatars, but I have like the four body image avatars. Um, uh, basically, each one represents a, a sort of functional root cause, like a big umbrella term for a functional root cause of somebody's body image suffering. One of them is called the self-objectifier. Typically, like who I see fall into this category would be um, women who usually are partnering with and or sleeping with men and are trying to appeal to that through the male gaze. And they're very impacted by this sort of patriarchal idea of what men want women to be. It's like they're always looking at themselves through that lens. Mm -hmm. And a big piece of what is um, dangerous or problematic for these folks is being complimented on their appearance. Like you wouldn't think that if you're like, oh, but you should feel great about how you look. You're hot. You know, you're conventionally attractive. It's actually the opposite. Um, For this sort of subset, for this avatar, some of the most intense body image issues come from women who have been given praise for how they look their whole lives. And part of that is like the pressure it puts on them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, oh my God, you're so hot. I, like, I'm so lucky to be with you. You know, it's yeah. like they get this idea of like, okay, this is my value. This is my value. Men are seeking me out because of how I look. I'd be without that. Yeah, they wouldn't, they oh, certainly God. wouldn't be interested in me without sure. that. What else do I have to offer? There's like so much insecurity that is bred in that space. Is the same true with penis? If you had a partner who would not <laughs> shut up, about how incredible your dick was, would you end up on the other side having any insecurities about like your value to them? Yes. I, I laugh because that just for some reason strikes me as being so comical. Because like I, I feel like it's not exactly analogous to what you just described. Sure. It would be more like if a if a person was just raving about your <laughs> vulva and just like how perfect all the the, the labia are yeah. like you know just getting really graphic about it to strangers or friends or whatever <laughs> just for some reason that seems funny but um well yeah i think it would but but also maybe not i mean it would depend on other things because for one thing that wouldn't be something that you grew up with it wouldn't mm. be like society oh, yeah. is always telling you you're hot right, it wouldn't right, right. be like society is always telling you that your dick is like perfect um i see so like it would be coming from maybe one person who I don't know, I could imagine being with somebody who just like would joke about that and was actually kind of sincere, assuming that, you know, they were sincere about it mm-hmm. and that it would just be sort of like a, a funny little inside joke. I don't know. Like, it's hard to put you in the same position. I think the idea yeah. that I'm trying to go for is like, is there a way, given how much men's dicks are connected to their sense of identity and worth, especially uh, in this heteronormative way to women, is there a way in which you end up feeling devalued as a person and oh. objectified in such a way that it's actually bad for you overall. So yes, definitely. I just um, also uh, would imagine that I wouldn't necessarily be with this person for um, right. like a prolonged period of time if that's if yeah, that's yeah, all yeah. we're kind of getting from it. But yes, I could definitely imagine that. But it would take a little time because I feel like there would be a, a little bit of a period where that feels really good as a as a man who's oh, coming from this sure, place where yeah. like that does have a lot of value and it's not often talked about versus what you describe where it's like we all know that uh, a woman or a person getting praise for being hot is mm-hmm. like is just something that you know floats around our language all mm-hmm. the time so like you know that that's out there but we don't often know that somebody's just like <laughs> even cares that much about right, like how right, right. how great your penis looks or something so there would be a period of time where you're just like oh my god like. <laughs> 
Really? <laughs> like you think so? I'm just like feeling oh really God, flattered. Like actually, so thank you. Thank yeah, you so I get much. your point. Uh, if it felt sweet, if it felt like um, dehumanizing. Yeah, if it was like. Uh, yeah, this this is getting more into like sitcom plot right. device territory where somebody only cares about this person, yeah. this character's penis or something. Um, I, I could see that. It's hard to imagine in reality, but like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, guess like, that's so different. It would feel good and then it also wouldn't um, if that's yeah. all it is because like... I mean, that's the way it is with everyone else, like with women. Yeah. Absolutely. And maybe it would take, maybe it could be a good little mini journey to go through of realizing that praise for your penis is actually not really like the thing that you're seeking out after That's so all. true. Yeah. If you've been seeking it your whole life, you get it. Then you can kind of let it go. Yeah. Yeah. Like if, let's say you get a bunch of that praise and then you're like, wow, this does feel good. I'm going to stay with this person for a while because I feel so flattered. And then, you know, the sex continues and it's all just based around this strange penis worship yeah pattern. i'm like imagining like, like she puts a pillow over your over, face yeah, she like, says i don't want to hear you talk yeah just. exactly <laughs> yeah yeah it's like you know dresses up your penis in like right. a little little clothes like a little businessman <laughs> suit or something oh my uh it's getting real real uh weird and sitcom-y but um <laughs> yeah there would be a point where you would just uh hopefully realize like this isn't uh this level of praise is not is clearly not what I was seeking. Right. All I was seeking was for somebody to say that they like me <gasps> and that they want to continue being with me. And sometimes it feels like signaling based around your genitals is just like um, important to that conversation. Yeah. But in reality, it's well, maybe it's not it's not unimportant, but it's certainly not like the most important thing. Well, so let me ask that then uh, the question of. What are men really seeking when they want a woman or a, a partner or I, absolutely, I imagine this um, applies to the gay male community as well. Uh, what are they seeking when they when they crave and want someone to say it's big? Because this is a very oh, yeah. big kink for so oh, yeah, many folks with sure. penises. They want to be told or they'll be insulted if they're not told, oh my God, it's so big. I, what do they really want I there? What are they don't seeking? don't know what men really want. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Should we get one in here to find we, out? We need a man, please. Uh, can you call up a man, please? Uh, but I can imagine that it's just that it's like a very quick and easy form of validation. But like I was saying, it's like if I think if you got enough of that and nothing and not other forms of validation to kind of back it up, then it might end up feeling a little shallow. But like, mm. like this is why I can't speak for other men, because maybe men want uh, certain some men want like the power and the um, Oh. The acclaim that comes the with acclaim. it, I guess. They want uh, well, they want the power. Awards. They want to be like, hell yeah, like I'm, I'm freaking, I'm big, I'm, I'm the man, like huh. I'm the man, and you're, you're the, you're the woman, or, or whatever. And, like an affirmation uh, of how that dynamic is supposed to yeah, play out in their mind. Yeah, I, I really can't speak to that. I suppose. Well, so some one thing that I think is true is uh, when complimenting another person, uh, what we generally do as a culture is we we share an assessment an opinion we say you look nice i thought about it and between nice and not nice you look nice and now i'm telling you that i assessed you and i decided you look nice um whereas the kind of compliment that tends to land better and just feel more meaningful is to share impact instead of assessment yeah, so yeah. if i were to say seeing you makes me so happy there's something deeply genuine and connective about that saying you look pretty even if i sort of meant the same thing mm. in that moment um she would get the the idea this person that i just complimented that her appearance is of value to me not the idea that her as a human is yeah. super valuable to me yeah. Is it the same here? Like if a if a guy is wanting 
feedback, like you're so big? Is he seeking, like, because this is something too, I hear a lot of men say, I can't tell if I'm big or not. Yeah, yeah. So the question is like, I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Uh, <laughs> they want that assessment. They don't want someone to say it feels good. They're like, yeah, yeah, that doesn't matter. But could you tell me if it's big or not? Uh, I guess. And again, this is maybe not, maybe I'm not the right uh, man to have on your show for uh, <laughs> for that particular question because uh, it really doesn't resonate as much. Mm. Um, and I've, you know, not to brag, but I've received compliments of various, <laughs> of various types. And I would say that the ones that... Um, do feel best are the ones that, like you said, they, they're about the, uh, like the impact that uh, my presence has on, on a person or even your penis, but at least impact. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. The, the impact that my penis has. <laughs> exactly. Well, cause I guess I just don't, this is something I've never understood about men and their penises is like, what is the point of having a big dick? Well, right. I mean, this is also where we're talking about, uh, like practicality, like, yeah. uh, and of course it all depends on the woman or the person and what their, um, genitals are uh, how they're shaped and how they're sized. Because yeah, again, we don't exactly. talk about that very much. But of course, it's it's just the inverse. If we're talking about different. a vagina, yeah. um, it's not necessarily going to be like the same, um, you know, the same shape and size in there. Right. And uh, so, yeah, bigger is not always better in terms of pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, smaller is certainly not always worse. Right. And uh, and there's maybe there would be like a sweet spot for every particular person with a vagina mm-hmm. um, where the right size and shape maybe like I can't really speak I to this. I think that's true. I like, imagine that it's true to some degree. And of course, there's a wide range around that where it can sure. still be wonderful. But um, but so then, yeah, bigger, of course, can't always just mean better. So I don't really right. know why that would be the only language that a a man would want to hear but um yeah i'm also really careful about calling it a compliment because it feels to me like saying you know it's a compliment to call a woman thin like no it's not not if we are trying to work towards a body neutral world in which it is not an insult to call her fat well or to identify her as fat you know like skinny can't be a compliment if fat's not an insult so i will use neither but also i'm very aware of like isn't it the same thing with this to comment on penis size and be like, wow, you're so big. It's it's supposed to be this compliment, but doesn't that automatically mean if you were smaller, I'd be disappointed because smaller is bad. Like it, you can't well, have one without the other being yes, insult. Yes, but of course, by not saying that, you are saying that you were not disappointed. So like that is why mm. it still feels good. But I would agree that it's right. But could you be like you're small and it feels amazing? No man would hear that and be like, "That's a compliment." No, you're probably right. Um, I mean, I could see how you could hear that as a compliment, like how I outside of like the kink world. I think the thing is used. uh, This is where neutrality comes in. It's like you don't. Maybe you don't need to say it's big. You don't need to say it's small. Mm -hmm. Just talk about um, how it feels. How how it impacts you. How it feels. Sure. Um, But yeah. So I think. To pivot a little bit, so like, because these things don't really affect me too much. Mm. I, uh, I also don't know exactly how my penis size stacks up against <laughs> every other man's out there, except I can look at, uh, you know, global averages right, or national right, right. averages. Um, Do you remember what the global average is? Uh, it's like 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 six inches erect or something like that. I think that. it's even smaller than that. Probably I think it's um, this is like a five, fact that I, I look up regularly because I just like to have not it. Nine. <laughs> It's yeah. not. <laughs> uh, I think it's like five inches, and and globally in different cultures it varies. But of course, yeah. Um, but a lot of uh, places around the world it's smaller than that. Yeah, I and mean, I think in the U.S. it's around. Makes five. sense. I, we look at height averages, and you yeah, know, they're I'm five ten, and I feel like I'm average. But uh, even nationally, it's like five eight or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but anyway, so like there are other things though that I don't 
you know, seek out compliments on necessarily or like any sort of affirmation, but they're the sort of like aesthetic qualities that I think about more so. And like what? Uh, so um, I was uh, I was uncircumcised at birth. Mm-hmm. Uh, our mom did not uh, go through with that for me. Um, and there arose a situation a couple years into uh, uh, into my life where um, where there was like a health issue. I still don't fully understand. I was very young mm-hmm. um, where they needed they believed that they needed to go back and do a like partial circumcision is what mm. they kind of referred to it as. Um, so it was a surgery. It was yeah, I had to go back into surgery, and I do remember parts of the surgery both before, during, well, not during, but like right after, and then during the recovery. I remember mm. very vividly because it was actually incredibly painful, mm-hmm. and it felt like kind of invasive. Obviously, yeah. as a very young oh. kid who didn't understand penises or really anything, yeah, um, that it felt it felt you know strange. Uh, and and painful. I must reiterate, it was incredibly painful. <laughs> uh, not to say that all circumcisions are uh, are bad or painful sure. in this way. If you know done at younger ages, or I don't know, I don't yeah. know how they're done yeah. otherwise. But um, so yeah, so I ended up with a partially circumcised penis, which more or less functions as a circumcised penis. Hmm. Um, and so there's other details around that, but basically, it uh, doesn't always look like it functions like a normal quote unquote circumcised or uncircumcised penis because uh-huh. it is quite literally somewhere in the middle that I don't think is super typical right and I don't have the statistics on that but um yeah so the other thing was uh and this is believe it or not I think unrelated to this uh, need for this <laughs> surgery uh was that I was born with one testicle mm-hmm. and this has uh especially through my younger years played a huge role in how I view um my own like sexual identity um and just how I kind of hold myself like in our society where it feels mm. like that's another thing we didn't mention earlier. People oh, talk about yeah. size and shape of penis. And honestly, they do often talk about like, like, oh, he's got one ball, you know, like, mm. I don't even know. I can't I feel think like just of... having a set of balls. Like people talk about balls yes. a lot. Okay, that's it. Exactly. It's more so just like the exact default is that you have yeah. two. You have a set of them. You got your pair. You got a, it's always plural. <laughs> There's never talked about a singular ball. <laughs> no, uh, that's so true. Ever, ever. And um, and so I was born like that. And mm. uh, I do actually, well, I looked up the statistics a long time ago. If I remember right, I think that it's somewhere along the lines of one in 30 uh, men uh, either are born with or have uh, hmm. one testicle. At, that's like, more a than I would have thought. Yeah, it was more than I would have thought at the time. And again, this I sure hope I'm not wrong in quoting this all for the internet to hear. <laughs> um, but I believe that Bruce Lee had one testicle. There are not many accounts of what other like celebrity right. men only have one testicle. Talk but for some it. reason, I remember reading that That's at some funny. point. Um, and uh, and you know that was like kind of a dope like. Uh, hmm role model then to be like shit right. like if he can have one testicle like i can have one <laughs> testicle because that dude is freaking badass so just having even like the slightest bit of representation uh felt really good especially at a younger age yeah. and that really goes to speak about the value of representation across all demographics of people who are not um the the quote-unquote norm but 
Um, and that's true for all genitals, by the way, because we yeah. we don't see many genitals. And I would say for folks with vulvas, they're even just harder to see because there's no locker room equivalent the of being project, able to see. That, that well, crazy yes, website, that's amazing. I send my clients to the vulva pro- project all the time because seeing a diverse representation of vulvas, if you have one and haven't seen a bunch of other ones, is kind of magical and life-changing because the big representation we have is porn. And in porn, there is homogenous vulvas. There's homogenous labia. Like, I mean, you can find it's whatever like you want to find. Even small, but the, like, deviations from that uh, seem to be kind of apparent in porn, yeah. like, too. It's as if these tiny variations are all that exist and, and nothing could be further from the truth. But I didn't know that until I started exploring this and then uh, started uh, exploring my own queerness. And I was like, oh, this is, man, I like younger me would have really benefited from knowing this stuff. Um, but representation for men in porn is also homogenous, also very large and certainly not uh, representative of any kind of like unique thing you just described. Yeah. And also, I mean, maybe this is just from my like straight male perspective, but also it's maybe it's not as focused on like, I don't think people watch porn just to look at the penises or do they? No, I, I don't know. I actually, I just realized <laughs> I made a statement that is probably entirely false, but I don't know, folks, you feel uh, free to yeah, weigh in on this. Yeah, one. We're get not in the sure comments. why people watch uh, porn. <laughs> tell us why. Um, but okay. So, you know, I'll just redact that last statement, sure. I suppose, but um but yeah, but it is it it does still matter. Like I was saying earlier, with like new partners and things, um, I feel like my experience has been a bit more on the practical side, um, just in terms of like new partners. Uh, I know from talking with them that like it can be noticeable, but only subtly, which is almost worse because then oh. going into a first sexual experience with somebody, um, and depending on like what we do, um, they will either kind of notice that there's only one testicle or they i've heard that they sometimes don't notice hmm. um or that it's like also can be very clear if like they look and then they look again right, and right. they're like okay well that's not what uh, is typical here so do you um, tell them like do you talk about it so i've done it a few different ways like but mostly it's weird it's like one of those things it's like when you're trying to be sexy and new yeah. to stop and be like just so you know <laughs> i've only got one testicle it's like <laughs> Well, I've never tried that. Maybe I should. Well, but, maybe you should. But it's just one of those things that, like, I'm, I if I if it's with somebody, even a newer person, that I feel like is probably a good person, I don't think it would make them stop then and there and be like, "Whoa, okay, right. buddy." But it does feel like something that really gets in the way of that new sexiness. Mm. And maybe there is something to be said about trying to have a a new sexiness type of experience, even if that requires a little bit of theatrics and a facade. Like maybe that can still be good for (laughs) first time experiences. But I'll tell you that if you are feeling these sort of insecurities around uh, an aesthetic or a functional thing, like any of that that we've been talking about, that it maybe it's it will actually result in a much better experience to just freaking put it out in the open first yeah um and i've i've kind of had some success with that and also that like after the fact even if i didn't say it first and let's say they subtly noticed it during talking about it after i've never been with somebody who has just flat out uh said anything mean or rude about it Mm. more so just um interest usually a bit curious Mm -hmm. as you might expect um sometimes like really curious they're like if that's the first time they've ever seen uh, a man with um, one testicle or, you know, whatever uh, this partial circumcision, you know, looked like yeah. to them, then, yeah, they might just have some real questions. Be like, that's that's so interesting. I've never yeah. seen that. And that can actually feel really good. And that is part of what's allowed me to uh, do some of that healing in my adult yeah. life is that I'm like, oh, like, 
like not everyone is like well like some people are actually really good and if I, the situation were reversed i think i would feel the same way and i would not um you know feel like they're wrong to have um yeah. you know a different type of uh biological situation but you know so much of the sexual experience of pleasure is based on like essentially what you said feeling safe feeling comfortable feeling um like embodied rather than in your head thinking about like yeah i wonder what they're thinking i hope they're having a good time and all that stuff like literally the the uh nervous uh nervous system no i can't remember how it goes but basically there's stuff in your body that is like you've got brakes and you've got a pedal Mm -hmm. a gas pedal and you kind of can't slam both on you know Mm -hmm. when it comes to this stuff like if you are in your head thinking about whether or not somebody likes or is noticing something about your body, you will also not be able to simultaneously yes. be in your body experiencing pleasure. So, like, of course it gets better after you have this conversation. So much better. And also, like, isn't this true of everything? I mean, I have clients do exercises all the time in our body neutrality, like, coaching work where I will have them show or tell whatever they're ashamed of. Oh. And sometimes it's just legit. It's just straight up labia. They're like, um, mm. one labia is bigger than the other. My labia are long. My labia are uh, too dark colored because they're comparing to porn, right? They're like, these are not normal labia because I've seen 50 labias and they all look pretty much the same from mm. porn. Uh, and so I send them to the vulva gallery, which anybody listening, I think if you just Google that, it'll come up with a bunch of pictures for you. Not safe for work, <laughs> but like explore right. your own your own risk. Um, just to sort of start to normalize that, that um, image. And then also just telling people or showing people and letting it be done. Because shame only lives in the dark. It only lives in secret. It only lives when you keep it secret. And the moment that you say to someone, like a lot of uh, women I've worked with have partnered with men who have never seen their labia Hmm. for years because they've just not let them. They were like, I just tell them I don't like anyone going down on me because I'm too anxious and like I would just be way too much in my head. So we just do sex in the dark with, you know, these sort of circumstances. Mm. And I'm like, what if you just said, hey, I have a labia that I'm insecure about. I Googled it and I'm normal technically, (laughs) but I need you to go look at it and just talk to me about it. And it is life-changing, marriage-changing. Like, it can really change everything. Um, Or, you know, if somebody's been constantly hiding, like, a a bloated belly or a round, soft belly or cellulite, like, every time they go into sex, they're like, okay, I got to hide this, I got to cover that, I got to, you know. They can't enjoy any of it. The whole thing of pleasure is based on not carrying the shame and anxiety of, like, what are they thinking? What have they noticed? What if they're judging me? So, like, really, ultimately... Like we should all be saying these things. Yeah, I, I mean, kind of feel like to as many people as possible to really like. Maybe so. I mean, strip it of shame. That was part of kind of what we wanted to do here. I mean, I. That's why we're making uh, this episode. Yeah, basically, have never uh, explicitly talked about this, um, you know, to too many people. Really, yeah. it's. But again, that's a little bit of a practical thing because, like, if I talk like. If I were to be like, oh, my, my ball, like I get like, you know, somebody like accidentally kicks me and then I say it that way. People are going to be like, what, what? Oh, that's so true. And then I'll be like, yeah, but also I generally just don't use balls based language because for one thing, I think it's kind of weird to always be super weird. People, men talk about their balls way too much. They really do. Um, (laughs) Or maybe not enough is also, they talk about their ball, not nearly enough. I just wouldn't uh, normally want to like launch into that explanation just uh, in random, you know, day to day life. So I just typically, you know, don't mention any of it. And that doesn't feel like in terms of neutrality type stuff, like that doesn't feel negative to have that pattern. Sure. But because 
because I also don't say, like I said, I, I wouldn't say balls just generally. Um, so I just wouldn't say anything because there's plenty of more wonderful things to talk about than right. with strangers and just day to day people than, you know, how, how your mm-hmm. genitals are totally normal. And I've got two, <laughs> two testicles and a really great straight looking normal sized penis. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, you know, there's other things that you can freaking talk about. But um, but in, in a venue like this, this is what we are talking about, yeah. that like with the right people, it can be absolutely liberating yeah. and just allow and healing. for healing. I mean. Yeah, every single like great sexual experience that I can possibly think of has come at a time where I have been I have completely rid myself of the insecurities that we've been describing mm-hmm. with the person that I'm with. Mm-hmm. And I am just allowed to feel like just a just a body and a person in a body with another person next to me near yeah. me like and those are the moments where neutrality actually just feels like so wonderful hell yeah um and for the record i think sometimes people will think body neutrality is like i don't care or this is unimportant or i'm disconnected from this no. but i couldn't disagree more because it's actually just this feeling of like it kind of blends into the background once you're not putting an unnecessary and inappropriate amount of attention effort yeah. significance on it just becomes a part of you yeah and it can be a wonderful part because it's giving you pleasure or it's like you know our bodies are how we interface with the world like it's kind of dope you can hug people you can write in your journal like everything is through the body so to just let it be that like it is functionally good i would even call that a positive relationship but Mm -hmm. compared to what most people are thinking of which is like i'm super hot i have the best body because i'm thin and meet these standards or whatever um that's why i call it neutrality but that is like that experience is everything yeah i mean it's it's really, it's like once you have the neutrality with, uh, you know, genitals, whatever we're talking about, um, body fat, uh, then it's the experiences that that neutrality allows you to have that it yeah. doesn't hold you back from having these other experiences. Those experiences are what uh, it's kind of all about. And not having that neutrality just uh, is going to mean in one way or another, you're thinking about that one thing and yeah. that keeps you from experiencing it, the other person's thing. I yeah. mean, also, oh, so true. it even kind of means like, Let's say your partner is worried about their their uh, labia looking uh, sure. unusual or something, but the fact is, if if they're still if they still haven't um, talked about it, and you uh, you know I in this situation still haven't talked about the <laughs> things that make me feel insecure, then I'm not even going to be noticing my partner's labia. I'm going to be noticing my own thing. Right. And I think that like you kind of said bad earlier, in bed. <laughs> it makes you totally it makes you both. Bad. I mean, it makes everybody bad. Men. Insecure people um, are not as good in bed. But that if you are having that insecurity and your partner's having it, their own insecurity, then also you don't even notice each other's thing that you're yeah, insecure you're not about. really so, like, present with them it really just doesn't make a lot of sense so um yeah. and also i would say especially as a straight guy the um i don't know the transformative power of hearing a man pause and be like i have something i want to talk about mm. or this is you know just so you know i'm like in my head right now and i, I just want to get this off you know out of my mind whatever it is like that is a game changer because it t- it lifts you up out of this stupid heteronormative script in which everybody's trying to follow the rules and meet arbitrary standards and it puts you into a new place like you know where queer people live and you can do anything and and like it, the world is your oyster sexually speaking you can you can play around you don't ever have to have an erection because there's so much else to do and all of this right. stuff is yeah. so connective and fun and just I would just argue way better for everybody as an experience once you have lifted yourselves out of that rut of like 
I'll do what I'm supposed to do. You do what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Because nobody benefits. Nobody is thriving in that culture. I mean, it's what allows for um, exploration of each other, each other's bodies, like exploration of movements and just like all of these things. I mean, yeah, if we're talking about like what makes good sex, I feel like this is a a huge part of it is just getting past um, these, these types of insecurities, let alone like, you know, knowing what to do prowess. Like that's, (laughs) that's a whole other thing. And honestly, most of that is another episode. Yeah, I guess. But like, what it what allows you to really get get embodied is I think um yeah kind of figuring out how to deal with these types of insecurities better yeah um, and even being I would say from there you really open up the possibility to talk about what everybody likes individually yeah. what feels good for everybody individual what doesn't feel good that's why new partners you know if you haven't had that conversation yeah, you then you're just stuff, going yeah. off of like, like oh hope maybe, this is good maybe <laughs> maybe. Uh, but from there, I think we really get into like two individual humans rather than like two people playing out kind of a yeah. cultural script yeah, or whatever. Um, okay. Well, this was a fascinating conversation and I feel like yeah. we could just go on and on. Is there anything else that you want to say or any other bit of this topic that we haven't covered that you wanted to? I mean, I think that's kind of the gist. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, that, that's about, that's about it. All right. Well, to everybody listening, <laughs> um, I would be really curious to hear your thoughts on this episode. You can go over to my Instagram page at Jesse Nealand or find me on my website, jessenealand.com. You can send me a contact form if you want. Um, I, I honestly could talk about this so many different directions. There's, it's such a rich ground for unpacking body image stuff. Um, and I'd love to hear your thoughts and questions. And if there's any other part of the topic that you want to hear more about, or if you want me to interview somebody else, or you just want to hear my thoughts on it, like, let me know, because I would be happy to. Um, Thank you so much for being here, Jay. You're welcome. Thank you. This was fun as hell. Um, Thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, if you want to support my free content, like this podcast, you Mm -hmm. can go over to my Patreon at Jesse Nealand or buymeacoffee.com if you would just want to, like, leave a little tip and say thank you for the episode. Um, And that you can find me there at Jesse Nealand as well. Like and subscribe. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead and like and subscribe. Do you do that on podcasts? Uh, uh, Oh, no, I don't know. (laughs) I I mostly watch YouTube stuff, but yeah. Um, (laughs) I'm sure there's an equivalent. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for listening, and I will catch you next week.